Welcome to another edition of The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi. Please forgive the acoustics in this stupid bedroom. I am very happy at the moment to report that there is some good news. Coming up, I'm going to talk about Global Accessibility Day. And I also have a little bit of video game trivia that I want to share with you guys. Thanks to my previous interviewee, Dion Walker, for sharing that with me. Um, he's a video game enthusiast. I really like that. I, I, I guess I didn't... I must have failed to touch that in the interview that we did, but we were doing mostly, like, music and talk box stuff, but that's okay. Um, but yeah. How is everyone doing? Um, let's just say that I'm doing good. I think everyone is doing okay. And also coming up, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's coming up um, as of this published date. It will have been, I would say, Friday or Saturday before any of you guys gets hold of this podcast. But if you really like the podcast, The Throne Room with Beth Tarasi, you can subscribe to it on Apple Music, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and a million other podcatchers out there. But when you search for it, make sure you put The Throne Room with Beth on it. My name, my last name is kind of weird, so I'm just going to say you got to search for The Throne Room with Beth. Otherwise, you can also find it on Spotify. It is season one, episode seven, I believe we're on. Um, let's get on with the news, shall we? Okay. Getting to the meat and potatoes of things. Today, and I believe, was it Friday? I think it was today. Thursday was Global Accessibility Day. And I kind of want to talk about accessibility from a global standpoint. I think the world sucks when it comes to accessibility, especially now during a pandemic disaster, such as, you know the COVID-19 stuff. And I understand that a lot of you are getting tired of hearing about it. But the other thing that I'm tired of is that a disabled person is always made to feel small and less than. Some of what I'm about to say, I'm paraphrasing from a young, there's a Australian immigrant who is blind who came to Sweden to be with her husband. And they now have a little girl. And the little girl is in school and she's uh, probably sighted. But this young woman wrote a very compelling post on Facebook. And if you guys are not friends with this woman, whose name is 
Louisiana Galileo Onstrom. If you have not seen her posts on Facebook, it's amazing. And she made a lot of valid points, especially about... Now, language learning is no secret. She actually did mention Swedish language education. They gave her the minimum education, and then they said, uh, no, we're not going to do it no more. And I know of some woman... Uh, well, I know of a woman, a good woman, who has learned, oh lord, how many languages is this girl learning? If you guys want to check out Chanel's language learning journey, that is actually her podcast right here on Anchor as well. She has a lot of people from around the world that she's interviewed about language learning and things like that. And I think that would really be a great resource for anyone. And I hope that Miss Onstrom has found that as well. Um, yeah. Her post is so good, though, because she brings up so many good points about the global accessibility problem. One, if you're an immigrant to a new country, let's suppose it's Mexico or Nigeria and you're coming here to the United States. Say you don't speak much English and you're a gal, you're a gal that doesn't speak much English, you're a female. The one thing that I really want to point to is the way people perceive blind people really needs to be changed because blind people are not stupid. And yet the way they perceived Louie, as I'll call her, they pers- the Swedish folks are like, oh, well, you should go to a school for the blind and three hours away and she's got to take care of her daughter. And that's great. I'm glad she's putting her priorities in the box, but, but she says she can't learn any more Swedish. She can understand conversations and things. But I know of young Americans like Chanel who are ordering food in Cantonese over the phone with a guy that speaks Cantonese. I don't know and understand how people can do that, and I don't know how anyone would have the guts to learn Chinese, whether it's Mandarin, Cantonese. There's like, I don't know how many dialects of Chinese and how many of the characters in each dialect are sounds and some are concepts. There's like 50 million, I don't know what, 50,000 plus characters of Chinese And you have to memorize all the characters with all these Chinese characters, etc. And those characters represent lots of different things. Like there are some that represent the moon, some represent the sun, and some represent other things like concepts, love, theft, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not like our language, the American English language. And for the most part, a lot of people use Roman script. Roman script meaning the 26 beautiful letters of the alphabet. Well, minus W in French, because, you know, Louis Braille invented Braille, and that is a French system all in all. And you have, you have 25 letters in French. You don't have a W in French. But 
Louis Braille added W so you could write it in other languages, too. You can write Braille. I would assume you can write Braille in just about any language. Chinese Braille, I've never seen it, but I'm pretty sure it can be done. But the Chinese schools for the blind, they're a mess. And the government doesn't really like blind people having meaningful careers in most... In most countries, blind people do not have meaningful jobs, meaningful positions in life, or anything of that nature. And I'm not just talking about Sweden and Australia. Now, I've got friends in Australia who could tell me, oh, I want to work at a bank. I want to do this. I want to do that. The same as in the United States, even. But the global accessibility issue is, you know, profound for us. Blindness is the most feared disability on the planet. That comes from Rosemary Gilliam. Rosemary Gilliam. Wait a minute. Rosemary... Sorry. Uh, Rosemary Mahoney. The, the, the woman's name is Rosemary Mahoney. Sorry, I, I was thinking of someone else. Um, yeah. <laughs> A woman named Rosemary, and she wrote extensively about her time in Kerala, India, where she was talking to blind folks, mostly adults, from different underdeveloped country schools for the blind. Now, while most of us in the United States like the idea of mainstreaming, a lot of the underdeveloped countries, like the Latin American ones, African ones, some Asian ones, do not like blindness. I have examples of stories that go, they go from like birth all the way to old age about blindness and and accessibility. First of all, we disabled people should have and will have a right to exist. There is an example of a parent in Mexico who decided a mass should be held for his baby boy who was blind, and that mass was supposed to encourage the boy to die. If that shouts and screams, I have a right to exist as a blind boy, I don't know what else does. But in Mexico, there are not enough services for the blind as a result, and parents like that one are very prevalent, believe it or not. It's not just in Mexico. There are African and Asian families who lose their land every day in their villages because in some villages, tribes, and peoples, you got blind people who are being told you're a curse to the gods or a curse to humanity or a curse upon the family for whatever sin or sins they might have committed. As Miss Mahoney writes, it's very prevalent in Tibet even Now, a success story I'd like to point to is the Braille Without Borders School in Tibet. It is in the hands of Tibetan folks, which I'm very happy to say. Tibetan folks who absolutely give a crap about the blind and what they want and the needs of the blind and all that kind of stuff. The blind folks at BWB are given a very good education in English, Tibetan, and Chinese which is extremely important. English is a global trade language. I'm not going to diss any other language here. 
but I think English is a very good global trade language. An extremely good global trade language that will enable anybody to do anything. And the more languages you learn, the better at communication you'll become. And you might get open job slots, etc. Now imagine if Chanel was able to apply for a job as a sales rep at a store in Miami, Florida. Do you want to know how many Spanish speakers are down there? That's very important. I have a Cuban friend who's very fluent in English and Spanish to the point where we had a casual conversation about, you know, reggaeton music and what kind of weirdness goes on with that. But I also want to point out that language has nothing to do with blindness. But people often say that blind people cannot be educated in all these different languages, which does happen at BWB. And BWB does teach Tibetan Braille, which was invented, oh, yes, it was invented by a German Tibetologist because no one in Tibet bothered to put Tibetan down in Braille. That's sad. That is just so sad. Why? Tibetans face blindness more than other people do because of the altitude of the country and it is very, very close to Nepal and Mount Everest. And Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world, everybody knows that. But global accessibility also poses a threat to those who want to climb mountains. Like, Eric Weinmayer will be the only person able to scale Mount Everest blind because Nepal and I don't know where else decided to ban blind and physically disabled climbers from going up on the mountain for uh, all cautions and safety and everything like that. I find that discriminatory. And by the way, before I go on, Blind Bargains just posted their cast as of press time. Uh, 209, the four-day week. Boy, that's really weird. Huh. That's another thing I want to talk about. Global accessibility takes a really dark turn when a blind person is born in a sighted family, no matter where it is. But blind girls in places like Tibet, China, Africa, Japan, doesn't matter where, are always hailed in as a curse. They're reeled in. Now in Japan... I don't know if this is really appropriate, but in Japan, they have a special occupation for blind girls. They call it the itako. And those, those girls who get into that kind of thing, they're the ones you see on the street holding up a palm, looking for coins, doing fortune telling and things. But in Japan, it is believed those girls are symbolically wedded to deities. And the Shinto god that the girl marries is all she can deal with. She's not even allowed to get married anyway else. Now, personally, I wouldn't want to be any taco girl in Japan because 
that would not give me enough of a meaningful career. It just wouldn't. And in lots of the Asian countries, Korea, China, whatever, massage, an ancient medicinal practice among everybody, I would guess, has found its way into the nom de, nom de whatever of blind careers. And the Asian folks, I don't care who they are, China, Malaysia, Korea, they're trying to make an entire career only for the blind. What does that do? I understand they're trying to be well-meaning and give the blind jobs, but what it does is on a global accessibility standpoint, I don't think it's a good idea. From a, a standpoint of accessibility here in the United States, here's what my life looks like here, and you guys might want to say what you want. Make sure you provide feedback in the email that I'm going to provide at the end of this podcast. Now, the first things first. First things first. I was born blind and the doctor said, oh, she's not going to get a driver license. Okay, first rule of being a doctor. Do not say to your parent, client, patient, whatever, that somebody can't do something unless it's real. For example, I can't breathe or she can't breathe. You know what I'm saying? She can't breathe on her own is a lot more appropriate than she can't get a driver license. Because guess who drove the car in Daytona International Speedway in 2011? I'd like to thank Mark Riccobono. And Mark Riccobono is an incredible dude, okay? As much as he is the president of a so-called militant blindness organization, a lot of people are kind of going against the NFB and all this and all that. I still think that Mark as a person is a really good dude. And I really think that he's really cool. But I think the best thing he's ever done was shown the world that a blind person can drive a damn car with guiding systems, guidance systems on the car. And, you know, he can make decisions about where to turn, when to stop. Those things are things that blind people should do. Oh, and there's an airplane flying above us. There is an airplane flying above our heads at the moment. And yeah, there's an airplane flying right past us and I am not going to mess it up. Um, wow. And blind people can definitely, if possible, fly airplanes. So what is blindness exactly? It's an informational disability. The skills and tools of blindness should look like this. Blindness is somebody who uses non-visual techniques to do various things around the house, in life, in a career, all kinds of stuff, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff that a blind person can do. And what Dr. Coralstein, the guy who found me born, said was completely inappropriate by now. And especially by 2011, because Dr. 
Coralstein probably did not know that Mark Riccobono was in that little simulator, the drive challenge in Daytona. He got to negotiate a course and he got to negotiate a course with boxes, moving targets, all kinds of weird things were placed in his way. He got around them, every one of them. On the Daytona track was a very good safe test spot, but then he drove that same car all over damn Littleton, Colorado. I wasn't in the car, but I honestly think that Mark's actions gave me a lot of hope. There is a lot of hope. I will tell you what I really want to do right now. I wish I could say, okay, kids, pack your bags. We're going on a road trip. But because of inaccessible cars and inaccessible automated vehicles, I can't really do that. There's a lot of things I cannot do as a mother as far as like transportation and jobs and other things like that. If I need to fill something out, most of the time, the important stuff's in print. Now, Louis Onstrom did say in her post about, I don't want somebody having access to banking and whatever information. I have to agree with her on that because that sensitive information is open to thieves. When somebody fills out your bank information on a piece of paper, that information becomes bait for thieves. It's just a very serious issue, and thieves will do anything to get your bank information and steal money. This includes people who are so desperate. Now, I don't know if my friend Helen really did get her cell phone stolen, but she's lucky she could see the brat who took her cell phone. And I'm sure she took the cell phone out of her pocket. And honestly, I don't know if that was a joke or not, but I hope to God Helen did not get her phone stolen. But, yeah. It's just very important to note that blind people cannot see what is happening to their bank accounts when a thief disables their access to everything and they don't know what a person's intentions can be all the time. The same as sighted people. Sighted people obviously don't know what hit them half the time. It's even more important for a blind person to have little trust for humanity and not to have to trust so easily because trusting too much can lead to things getting stolen, people raping you and things like that. It's just sad. The global accessibility environment is harsh for people with disabilities in most countries because not only can you not trust humanity, in most places you get abused for being blind. You get married off at nine years old in Yemen. Even if you're blind and child marriage is a whole different topic altogether, but blind people are also deemed unable to do so many different jobs. In Ethiopia, there are people who are going to find jobs if given the right supports, but I studied about Ethiopian blind folks and I found, this is what I found in my international studies paper. 
as a blind student, I got my textbooks, at least I got the books, but in places like Ethiopia, the student does not get their books at all for the entire year. Don't even get me started on how often or how not often the book is distributed to a blind student. Not only that, but when a blind teenager has to learn things about sex and babies, most underdeveloped countries do not want you to learn about sex. They want to mystify it for the girls because, oh, girls, it's it's just inappropriate until you get married. Well, I've got bad news for all of you. Access to marriage for a disabled person is limited. In the United States, I would guess about like 80% of us blind adults and disabled adults are not married. There's a good reason for that. The United States incurs penalties financially for disabled people who marry legally. Now, this might not be as important for some blind people, but for me, it is very important. But honestly, it's just, it's just very important, very important that people such as myself and Trenton, my partner, we need to be able to get married without penalty. I would love to have changed my name because I hate my maiden name to begin with, but in the United States, Family law does not really apply, but at the same time, I have to declare what Trenton pays in rent, in food, etc., etc. And then they're going to ask me, is he your significant other? The thing about the United States is they want to snoop into your relationships and they want to they want to get you for that. They want to get you for having a baby, for getting married, etc. I have a friend in Florida who is having to pay back benefits and it's going to cause a lot of harsh impoverishment for her. And it's a hardship for her and her family. She has a little daughter and a husband. Unfortunately, a lot of blind and visually impaired couples face the same question marry and lose money or don't marry live with your significant other and not lose money and be able to support your children and yourself now before you say well why not get a job how many jobs are hiring even after the pandemic is over how many jobs are willing to hire a blind person especially one for me i don't have a college degree in whatever i want to do I might not have a college degree in music, but I don't have my bachelor's degree. I had my AA completed. My associate's degree is done. Gen eds, however, make a real pain in the butt for any college student. I don't care if you're blind or sighted. But the big thing for me was I was unable to complete my bachelor's because the classes were too much. I had to take a stupid test with dumb graphics on it and Florida State University 
was unwilling to understand. I mean, it wasn't so much them, but they also denied me access to the conducting book. I could not do choral conducting, even if I tried, without somebody showing me what the gestures were. And fortunately, I did get some practice in it, but but it was very, very bad. It was just bad, because I didn't have a social life to begin with. I could not do social things outside of class. My entire day was class, class, class. That doesn't work for me. I need to have a work-life balance. And as a disabled student in a college, I was unable to do that. Because I had to have a reader. I had to have a reader and a coach with every class I was taking that had a visual concepts in it. I will not be able to do things like this. I'm not going back to Florida State nor to any college in Florida because Florida is also very backwards with a lot of other issues as well. The global access to existence is very important for disabled people. Same with schooling, and I did cover college and marriage, sex and having babies. I'm about to cover that right now. When a blind parent gives birth, there's more scrutiny because the person is blind. Is that fair? I don't think so. One of the big things from a global accessibility standpoint is, you know, as a blind mother-to-be one day, I don't want to be scrutinized unless I myself confess that I've abused a child. And frankly, I'm going to make this confession right here on my podcast. I will never abuse a child. I will not lay a hand on any child. Sure, I will have to lay hands on people who want to take them away, but I'm not going to hit them. I'm not going to hit my kids because obviously the state will get me and they will say, why did you spank the child? Spanking doesn't work. I understand spanking doesn't work because I know how it doesn't work. I've been hit a few times, even for telling my mother that what she said was really inappropriate and really stupid. I probably could have told my mom one day when she was leaving for school that you want to abandon me at home? I don't think so. And she accused me of talking back and spanked me. That's all she ever did. Accused me of talking back and spanked me. That is not appropriate parenting technique now. And it's out. But there are still blind parents who are getting their babies taken away from them. And yet then there are parents like Dee Dee, who was murdered by Nick Godijan. There's the whole story of Gypsy Rose, who was not really a disabled child. She had a food tube in her stomach for no apparent reason than to make sure that Dee Dee was pleased. She took out the, the poor girl's saliva glands. And now the girl has no teeth. She has to use dentures to eat. I don't know how Gypsy eats anymore because, you know. And she's spending all this time in prison for her mother's murder. And I don't know how she's going to do things with the COVID-19 pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Of course, prisons are also not safe for real disabled people. 
And Gypsy knows that she can walk. Gypsy knew she could eat and do other things that Dee Dee said she could not do. Dee Dee Blanchard was a real mess. I'm sorry. And she tried to tranquilize her daughter in front of caseworkers. I find it ridiculous that they would not take Dee Dee's child from her and Gypsy slipped through the cracks of the child welfare system. Yet you waste your time with blind parents who are perfectly loving individuals and who would not abuse a child or lay a hand on the child. I think that CPS really needs to get the access barriers out of the way for blind parents. For one, if a blind person does abuse a child, they should be treated with the same scrutiny and the same way as a sighted abuser. Of course, the other thing is, I think that blind parents also need to have a real good talk with their children about what the importance of the children not speaking to CPS unless there is a real concern. For example, my brother hit me. I was raped by Uncle Danny, etc. Just as examples, okay? Any child who is raped by an Uncle Dan or a freaking parent of another child should be able to speak and be believed, of course. But that's not the end of it. From a global access standpoint, blind parents should have access to everything their children bring home. School books, homework, notices about health and well-being of the child. That also includes parent-teacher conferences. I want to be able to go to a child's parent-teacher conference, sit down with the teacher and say, what is my child not learning? What do they need to practice on? How can I help the child practice learning things? I am not going to ultimately punish my kid or beat them up for not learning a certain concept. But what I am going to do is make sure that they practice their math more. And I would say, okay, we'll get you a tutor and all this. But punishment does not work. You need to have positive and negative reinforcements, but punishment never worked for anybody. It never did. Especially when the punishment involves certain weird disciplinary measures that make fun of the other person's abilities or disabilities. As a blind woman, I feel very unsafe in the community sometimes, especially around bars and drunk people. It depends on who you ask, but I think that from a global accessibility standpoint, blind women face the most sexual, physical, emotional abuse of any group of people. Like I said earlier, blindness is the most feared disability on the planet, and as a blind woman, I can relate. People are afraid of me, even in the blind community, they are so afraid of me that they don't want to talk. They just want to act. They want no talk, a little less talk, a little more action, and they want to take negative actions against me. 
But of course, I think I can't blame the sighted people for everything. Part of the problem is that the blind community and other disabled communities face a very incoherent problem. Being incoherent. Not being able to be an army of one. Look, I had an army gym bag. And this is going to sound crazy, but you guys, as much as I can't go and join the army, my mom sent away for information about the army in order to get me a free gym bag. That gym bag literally had the lettering that spelled out an army of one, and then it had, in smaller lettering, it said www.goarmy.com. An army of one is exactly the mentality we need for the disabled community to fight global inaccessibility. Traveling while blind is also another issue, too. I've heard of people, like there was a woman in Israel who said, Oh, a blind person has to sit by the window while flying to China. And she had to change airlines because of the policy that they tried to throw at her. In China, she was going to see a tourist destination, the Great Wall, but she was prevented from doing so with her friends because she was blind. Is that fair? No. How can we fix that? We've got to be one damn coherent voice and we have to scream, get out of power, stop discriminating, don't give us excuses, we don't apologize for your actions. We have to be as militant as the army itself. We have to be an army of one. We have to have the ability to be all that we can be. And an army of one is a very important slogan. And I honestly like it as much as, you know. Anyway, thank you for allowing me to come on here and rant. If you guys want to see the post on Facebook of my friend Louie Onstrom when she posted that thing about Global Accessibility Day, her rant was shared like several times. And I want to thank those who did share that post. I think it was, it's very compelling and it's beautiful. And she has written lots of things about life in Sweden. I've got two friends in Sweden that I can also confer that, you know, life isn't exactly all roses and candles there. There's a guy named Jürgen. I wonder if he's still dating our friend Stacy over there. But Jürgen, I don't know. He'd been in a nursing home for a little bit. Nursing home for being blind. What? <laughs> I just don't think that's a good idea. And there are, of course, the Swedes who are like, you know, oh, well, you should be institutionalized for being autistic. There's one girl I know who's autistic and she's she's now living with her husband. I have no idea where, but it's like, I have beautiful, beautiful friends all over Europe and all over the world who can confer that global accessibility must improve. But I think the biggest need for us as people who are disabled, blind, etc., is that we need to be coherent. We need to stop hating one another. Stop it. Just drop it. We need to be a coherent army of one. Just like it says on the army bag that I had. 
Don't go to GoArmy.com, though. I don't think they'll take anybody, really. Not with the disability. Um. Anyway. If you'd like to leave feedback about this, just go to my website, DenverQueen.com. You can email me at DenverQueen at GMX.com. That's DenverQueen, D-E-N-V-E-R-Q-U-E-E-N, at GMX.com. I know some people use the gmx.us address, but not me. I'm weird. (laughs) Thank you all very much. And yeah, on with the trivia. Did you know that the word spastic in the United Kingdom is considered offensive? Thanks to Dion Walker for this little bit of trivia that I'm about to report. Now, you've all heard that the words, the F word, the C word, and the N word, and there are so many little four-letter, five-letter words, and six-letter ones that are excessively offensive. But in UK video games, they have to edit out the word spastic. Why? Because in the UK, it is seen as making fun of people with cerebral palsy. And thanks to Mr. Walker, I'd like to put in another thing. I've got some really great video game news that I didn't know about just till now. Pac-Man was released 40 years ago today. 40 years ago. Can you believe it? Pac-Man is still Pac-Man today. Also... Um, another little bit of news. The Empire Strikes Back from Star Wars was released 40 years ago today. And if anybody remembers, Luke, I am your father. That is exactly what happened 40 years ago today. And 40 years ago, it was 1970. And it was quite a year But Star Wars, Star Wars still lives on in the Disney files. You can watch The Empire Strikes Back on Disney Plus. You can also buy it. There's a uh, iTunes descriptive version of it. I highly doubt A New Hope is described, but I believe it is described on iTunes. But I don't know. Star Wars is a very big thing in my book. I've always loved Star Wars, and I hope all of you do, too. Um, but also, the video game trivia is that Pac-Man came out 40 years ago. There are a lot of offensive things you can't do in video games all over the globe, but I honestly would like to say hats off to the United Kingdom for keeping disabled people in mind. Now, spastic is an offensive word in the United Kingdom, just as the R word otherwise known as retarded, is offensive here in the United States. We don't use that word, and I don't like to use it very often, but I'm just using it as an example of what the word is. The only time I ever use a variant of that word is in musical terms, like retard, poco retard, retardando. It's spelled R-I-T-A-R-D. And then you can put like retardando, poco, a poco retard, blah, blah, blah. 
Because I've, I've seen that particular sign in music before. It's very important. So, but, you know, and then you got the word retardant, which is actually a fire. In other words, it's used this way. Fire retardant. It slows down a fire. Retard literally means slow or to slow down. Variants of it are found in music and in other things like a word for chemicals, slowdowns for fires, all kinds of things. Now, somebody, I don't know who invented the N-word, but I won't say it because it's very offensive to black people, except when black people say it amongst themselves. It's kind of strange, but I've noticed that I've got a rapper friend who just goes on and on and on when he does his rap. I believe B-Mob has a really cool mixtape I want you guys to check out. The Loose Pit Volume 1, OMG. He's very, very, oh my god, his lyrics are amazing. And he's working on The Loose Pit Volume 2, I would hope. Well, <laughs> he has a few different um, things to produce, and he's produced with Ray Wonder, a.k.a. Dom. I love that guy. He is so funny. And yeah, so thanks to everyone who contributed little bits and pieces of information. I would have liked to have done a video game podcast Except I think video games are an important part of global accessibility initiatives. Now, what is being done to ensure that global accessibility initiatives are being met? First and foremost, I think that global accessibility initiatives are... How do I say this? Um... There are guys who are blind who are able to do capture cards. They hook up a lot of different things to their consoles and it's like... But they can still play video games. I have friends who can do simulators, like flight stuff. And I've got friends who are playing Animal Crossing. I'd like to thank Brandon Cole, aka Super Blind Man, for reminding me of this. And also, I'd like to... Uh, thank my, my partner in crime, Trenton, for introducing me to the world of blindness in video games. Video games, in my opinion, should be accessible all over the world. Of course, in some countries, they don't like war games. In Canada, for instance, I've got another little bitty fact before I go. Beast Wars in the United States was called Beasties in Canada. What weirdos, man! You don't even want to use the word wars next to the word beast? Oh, and those are Transformer-like characters, by the way. And I did watch something on... What was it? Yeah, Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. And there was a thing about Transformers on there. How many of you guys remember those? The Transformers. Optimus Prime, baby. <laughs> I kind of wish that Optimus Prime was available for the 15.ai platform, and Trenton uses that quite a bit. Um, if you guys want to check out the Sun Realms universe, he's working on a new episode. I'll let him tell you guys later on in another means or whatever. But if you are following us on LBRY, please do 
Queen's Light is Trenton's personal LBRY, and then he's got like a bunch of LBRY channels for the Sun Realms media group, whatever. We still have to do some more. But thank you all very much for listening. And uh, have a great night. If you'd like to be on the throne room with Beth Tarasi, please go to my website at denverqueen.com. There you will find my email address, denverqueen at gmx.com. That is D-E-N-V-E-R-Q-U-E-E-N, all one word, at gmx.com. Please write a paragraph that explains who you are and what you'd like to talk about on the podcast. Please leave me a date and time where this might work, and we can always work on the logistics. And if you'd like to submit feedback, go to the same site, same email address, and I will be reading your feedback and considering reading your feedback on a future show. Thank you very much.